We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chase Parham podcast. I'm Chase Parham. I know the uh, the name sounds a little egotistical, but this one's all about uh, variety, about some flexibility. As you know by now, um, for months I've had the people I sort of know podcast. We've talked to interesting people who I know a little bit, I know a lot, or people that I know through other uh, friends of mine and uh, family members and whatnot. And there's still going to be some of that. But when I was looking at things I wanted to talk about, things that go on in uh, in, in my life each day and week. I needed a spot that things didn't fit the Oxford Exxon podcast, didn't fit the way that we uh, we manage our main show every single week, and it wasn't always about talking to people. It wasn't always about, hey, I've got 50 minutes with this person that's interesting, let's find out about them, even though that is what today's episode is. So that's the birth of this, uh, the Chase Parham podcast. It's going to be a lot of shorter episodes. We're going to... Uh, discuss topics. We're going to get in and out. We're going to have some, uh, some some shorter ways for you to go about your day. And then sometimes there'll be episodes like today where we have a little bit more of a long-ranging interview. We learn about people. So again, flexibility. We're going to have TV reviews. We're going to have movie reviews. We're going to have just kind of whatever's on my mind, books and whatnot. So I, I'm excited about this, about this rebrand of people I sort of know. I think that uh, we're all going to have a lot of fun and hope you stick with me through uh, this journey and this process here with another podcast on MPW Digital. All podcasts on MPW Digital, as you know, are brought to you by Twisted T. More on them in a little bit. But today, kicking it off with Mike Bianco. Um, I'm not sentimental or anything. It's not really about that. But I turned 40 years old over the weekend, and I was kind of thinking about my professional life. And in a way, I, I grew up with Mike, uh, the Ole Miss baseball coach, obviously, and he has been here since June of 2007, 2000, June of 2000. He's been here almost 24 years as far as seasons. This will be his 24th season. And uh, he's the only baseball coach I've covered. I kind of became the de facto baseball person for Ole Miss sports, uh, not really by design, but just kind of happened over the uh, the years. And Mike has, has dictated a lot of my professional life because of my uh, career covering college baseball and then he's been around for a lot of personal things in my life as well. We're not friends. Uh, Mike is a professional, but not the most open person in the world by design because he, uh, he he explains that that brings in extra things that he doesn't necessarily want to deal with. But he's he's always treated me well. He's always treated me very professionally. And I thought, given the date with uh, me hitting a new decade on Earth and then also with uh, this new venture, I want to talk to Mike about himself. Uh, he Again, he doesn't talk about his personal life a ton, but... I want to learn about Mike Bianco, the person, a little more here for this episode. So you're going to get almost an hour of that. If you're coming for Ole Miss baseball and minutiae as far as the roster and the breakdown, that's not this episode. Uh, we talk about a lot of other things. We talk about family. talk about the ways that uh, he unwinds after games, decompressing, vacation, lots of different things here. So, uh, you know, Mike has been just an integral part of Ole Miss athletics for over two decades now. He won his national championship in 2022, something that I chronicled with uh, Resilient Rebels, my book following that season, and now he's coming off uh, the worst season of his career as well. So a lot of, um, you know, a, a, a lot of hum- human in this, uh, a lot of ways that he has succeeded, a lot of ways that he has uh, failed as well, and we talk about, you know, his change, his motivation, what he thought when he came in 24 years ago, and much more. So I'm 
pretty proud of this episode. I think we have a great conversation. I hope you stay hang in with us and uh, check it out. And again, this is going to be uh, pretty malleable. This is going to be a podcast where uh, sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's discussing one thing on my mind, and then we're not going to uh, linger the thought after that. So again, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm glad you're here. And now let's get on with it for the uh, for the episode. So I'm baseball coach Mike Bianco. Mike, thanks for the time. We love get started. I got a lot of stuff, but you and I are talking about Disney right before we uh, we hit the button. What's your favorite part? When we oh, like the best, Magic Kingdom. Um, but um, you know they're 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 all good. And now with the Guardian of the Galaxy, you know, roller coaster and and Epcot, that that's really beefed up. You know, it used to be that you know the kids didn't want to go to Epcot. You know. Uh, uh, but but now with with that there and might be rivals maybe the the best roller coaster there. But Hollywood Studios is great because okay. you know um, you know you got the rock and roller coaster which is great. I'm not a big fan of the Tower of Terror, but a couple <laughs> of my kids are. Uh, I only go on it once, and that's about all I can physically handle. Uh, but they're they're all good. But I, I, I'm old school. You know, I, I've been going to Disney World when there was only one kingdom. You know, one one park. So are you an itinerary guy? You want everything mapped out before you get started? Are you pretty detailed spreadsheets? What are we doing? Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, um, you're you're really um, not smart if you don't do that when you go to Disney. I mean, it's just uh, that's why I always laugh. Some people go, "Man, I hate Disney." It's not, you can't hate Disney. You know, you just were unprepared. It's like going into the football game didn't didn't break down any film. Just and then yeah. you, then you get, got got your butt kicked and you go, "Hey, I hate football." No, you just weren't very prepared. And uh, if you're prepared, it is the the greatest place on earth. How many times have you been? Oh wow! Um, you know, I grew up in Florida. Well, that's so, true. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, fair. But I didn't go. I, I've gone a lot more since I've moved out of Florida. Probably okay. growing up, I don't know, maybe five, six times. You know, uh, and then we own a timeshare there, so I've been going almost yeah, probably another ten, ten to twelve times since then. So. Uh, I'm probably close to twenty. Okay, you know, somewhere in there. What's vacation? Whatnot? What is sort of your getaway, clear your mind thing? I mean, you got you are at the beach a lot. You're yeah. going skiing this week. What what does it for you to be able to kind of decompress? Um, you know, most of it it's family stuff. Okay. You know, we have five kids, as you know, and um, you know it's you miss and I miss uh, as a coach so much of time with them, you know, weekends with them, uh, big events from graduation to whatever it is. And so we've always tried to, to, to have a, a week or two where, you know, we're going on vacation, we're doing something. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. I mean, it doesn't have to even be as, you know, as big and detailed as Disney. It could be just going to the beach or going somewhere. And so, you know, uh, but our time usually is now. Our time is usually from Thanksgiving to New Year's is the best. I still got to do some work stuff like this week. We we have final exams and uh, uh, exit meetings with the players. But then once the players leave, I got a couple recruiting visits I got to do and, and get taken care of before the first of the year. Uh, but this is really our downtime. You took the job in 2000 in June. I guess you had two kids at that point. Um, it seems like if I remember, you had three at that point. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Um, and you're finally, I guess, at least Catherine out of the house. What's it been like the last, last year or so? We laugh. And uh, this is the first time in 10 years, uh, Kimmy and I figured out that everybody's is back in Oxford, you know, so the ones that went away to school are back here. Um, and so that's great. We get to see them all. Uh, a couple of them are still, you know, at the house. So they, they went away to school and came back and still trying to figure out, you know, they're in the process of buying houses and, you know, doing what young adults do, trying to figure out life. And so, you know, and we still have a couple still in school. So, uh, but, but, but so guys are back and forth and, but they're adults. And so, um, it, but they're still around and that's great. It's great to, to have them close by. It's great to have them for dinners. And, uh, and of course, Cammy's parents live here in Oxford, moved here five, six years ago. My father's been here for uh, you know, about a decade now. And so to have all the grandparents, it's these are things that um, you know, sometimes you know, we, we don't appreciate. But, uh, um, but you know, I think when we slow down a little bit, we, we do. We, we look, look around and you can go to a, a dinner at the grandparents and you know, look around and there's, there's 10 people sitting mm-hmm. at the table. 
at the height of it when Michael was still in school and you had all five. I mean, what was what was that like? I mean, it's the Kami question, but is there a big calendar with all the events? I mean, how are we keeping up with everything? Because obviously you're pretty busy yourself. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, everybody figures it out. We have five kids, and you know, people go, "Oh, hey, that, I don't know how you do it. I'm so busy with two. And you know, Cammy's always said that you know, with with, with the children, um, you know, it can be you know chaotic at times, and sometimes it, it's not. And and, uh, and just like when you had two, uh, sometimes you can you know really feel like you know life's you know rushing mm-hmm. rushing by you, and sometimes it can can be awesome. And that's that's just life, and it's life in general. I've been you know fortunate and blessed that you know I got the not just the greatest wife, but you know you know a, a lady that was born to be a mother. And she loves, you know, uh, being a mother. She loves being with her kids. There's nothing more that she would rather do than to to be at one of their functions, you know, whatever, if it's a volleyball game for Catherine or a baseball game for the boys. And, you know, over the last few years, it's been, you know, uh, busier at times just because you have them at different schools around the around the country and yeah usually about this time of year we would sit down and with a calendar with the with the schedules and start mapping out you know where she would go when she would go to Baton Rouge or when she would go to Louisville or when she would go to Florida to see Sam you know uh, in St. Pete and and, and just um, uh, it's a lot of travel for her you know but she enjoyed it you know it's hard but she enjoyed it and and she's got a life too. You know, she, you know, runs this, you know, love packs uh, organization and uh, that's kept her, you know, super busy as well. So just a busy's good. You know, when you're not busy, it's, it's not good. You and I have talked about a lot, you know, graduations and you get Catherine's and uh, senior day at LSU a couple years ago and all that kind of stuff. But day to day, what were you able to do? I mean, did you have like, hey, it's breakfast or time periods or how are you kind of a dad when you're the, you're the busiest during all this? Um, well, while they're growing up, yeah, I, I think, and I don't know if it was necessarily by design, but you know, I became the morning guy. I became, and, and probably because of my job of playing on Tuesday nights, playing on Friday nights, being on the road some weekends, uh, I missed a lot of the, you know, going to bed and those types of things. And so, you know, if I was at home. You know, I would be the first up and I would be the one to, to get them out of bed and to, to make them breakfast. Now, again, it's not, you know, doing a lot of eggs and bacon, you know, for you uh-huh. know, a regular school day. I mean, it's it's Pop-Tarts or yeah, whatever yeah, sure. cereal, uh, but getting them on the bus, they all drove the bus. You know, one of the cool things about Oxford is, you know, they all went to public school and uh, the bus would pick them up in the driveway. And so, uh, you know, I would get them off to school and, and uh, then I would go to work and she would take it from there. Do you realize that in the moment that, hey, this is kind of my time? I mean, do you start able to appreciate that as it's happening? Yeah, because, you know, again, you know, you're playing on Tuesday night, especially when they were young, young. Uh-huh. You know, you get home on, you know, Tuesday night at, you know, 1030 or Friday night at 1030, 11 o'clock after a game. Um, you know, you have to ask them how, how they ask Cammy how they didn't flag football or mm-hmm. soccer or baseball or whatever they were playing at the time. So, um, but, you know, you kind of, you learn, you learn how to deal with it. And. And, uh, you know, there, uh, yes, my profession, I miss a lot, but there's a lot of professions like that. If you're a doctor or, uh, you know, a traveling salesman, I mean, there's, there's things that you miss and you make choices and, you know, sometimes those choices are tough and, uh, you know, um, you, you're hoping it's worth it. And, you know, for our kids, I think, you know, the, the trade-off was that, you know, for the boys, you know, it's an easy look at, you know, you look at the trade-off where they got to grow up and, you know, mm-hmm. when, when they went to play catch with their dad, they played you know at Swayze Field when they <laughs> yeah. went to you know uh, 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 but one of the other things is that they got to grow up in Oxford they got to grow up in a college town uh, and uh, you know and and basically be a part of this wholeness community and go to football games like their high school football games go to a basketball game like yeah. it's a high school basketball game and um, and so there's a lot of benefits to what you know I do as a profession as well and and they're aware of that you know I think maybe when they were really young they didn't but I think as they got older um, you know they, they they understood that 
when they're really young, you're having to make sure a balance that, you know, you obviously have a team, but you're my kids. That's my players. There's a difference there, I assume, of, you know, how much time you're here and making that known to them that, hey, it's a job and it's the way it works. Yeah, and I, but I don't ever think that was a problem. Yeah. You know, at least I was conscious of it, and you try to, I think, as a father to, to be there as much as you can. Um, and, you know, sometimes the schedule doesn't work out. I, I, I think – I've graduated from high school. I think I went to two high school graduations. I think I, I can't remember. Miss a lot of proms. You miss a lot of things. But 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 they've always understood that. You know, I've never. I may have felt personally guilty, but not because of any way they've responded or acted. And um, you know, and and they've always. Uh, uh, you know, we talked to Cammy and I not too long ago. How they they never. They never used that card, either against me or for their benefit, at least to my knowledge. You know, I think at times some of them didn't want people to know that their kids were, you know, the the, the coach at Ole Miss. You know, I know uh, when when they first started playing youth baseball and they would put names on the back, travel baseball, and they wanted names on the back of the jerseys, and they were asking the parents, it's going to cost, you know, five extra dollars to put the name on the back of the jersey. Does everybody want to do it? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should yeah. just have numbers on the back they don't they don't need their 10 they don't need the name of uh, their last name on the back of their jerseys uh, but um, you know it, it's it's part of it's it's part of the gig you're are you a good youth parent just minding your own business on the sidelines and let the, let the coaches coach you, now, you, you now, you're no, no, racing no a little bit yeah you know i think i'm a good youth parent in that regard i get it uh and i get certainly the the youth coaches you know they're they're volunteers yeah, and, sure. and even as they got older with travel baseball and even into college baseball yeah, sure. I, I i i know that my role isn't to coach them my 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 role is to be their father uh i did you know not struggle with but made a decision when they were younger that once we got home if there was something that I thought that I could teach them or provide them that happened in the game I think I have to do that sure. to be if you were a doctor and you you know didn't want to you know, give your, your, your family any health or, you know, yeah. uh, medical advice. That's kind of, kind of dumb. You know, if you're a baseball coach and you don't give your son some, some hitting advice when he got home, but, uh, you know, would never, you know, criticize the coaches. Cause I understand that, that, it's not helpful. Sure. You know, one, it's not helpful. You know, usually these these guys are volunteers or if they are getting paid, they're not getting paid very much. Um, and then the other part of it is I also realize how, how, how that can affect in, in a negative way where parents think that, you know, if, if you tell them that they should be playing or they should be doing something else, that's not going to be helpful for them. It's not going to be helpful for their team. And you can, that, you know, in, in, in trying to help them out, you can actually hurt them. So that part wasn't hard for me. Now, my wife will probably say that uh, maybe I yelled at a, a ref or an ump, you know, a little much, but I, I don't think any more so than any other day. Okay. Fair enough. When, when you got married, you got into coaching. Did you expect to have a big family? Was that the the plan for you guys? I mean, because I mean, at that point, you're going, "Hey, if I'm getting into coaching, I'm not going to be home as much." That, that's a decision that gets made and decide that. Well, it, this is a story. It's a funny story, but it's a story growing up. Um, so we, Cammy and I, both Catholic, and so you know, we get engaged. And if you're going to get married in a Catholic church, you go through this uh, process called pre-cana through the Catholic Church, and, and one of those. Uh, you meet with a priest, uh, you go to a, um, uh, a couple's kind of seminar, um, uh, and then you also have to take basically somewhat kind of like a compatibility test. And basically what they're trying to do is prepare you for marriage, which is, it's great. And you, usually it's a younger couple and you take a, a, an actual test. And, uh, and I remember, you know, when you're done taking the test, you come back a week later and they go over the test with you. Cause if there's things that you need to talk about, this would be the time obviously before you get married. Well, I remember going and they said, Hey, we, we think you all need to discuss, you know, question number 78. So, back down at the test. I look number 78 and it says, how many children would you want from your marriage? And it says, you know, A, zero, B, one, two. Sure. And so I put, I think like B, two, and she put D, four, and somehow we compromised and got five. So, um, 
Good, good Catholic couple. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think growing up I, I ever thought, you know, I'd have, I'd have five children, but, uh, it's really, it's been such a blessing and, and so cool because they're, they're great kids, but they're, they're all different. And, uh, that's, I think kind of the amazing thing for me is how different their personalities are. And, um, uh, but it's, uh, it's made, uh, certainly made my life a lot more better, a lot better. I just have the one uh, at this point, the, 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 the daughter. How is it different with the fifth being a girl finally and with pairing a daughter differently? Um, I, I, and I said this off the air for, uh, before we got on to you, I, I, uh, I feel for Catherine a lot because she had four brothers. She had to be dragged to all those ball games and not just her dad's ball games, but all the brothers' yeah. ball, game, ball games growing up. And there was so much, you know, I don't know, male, testosterone, that, that in the house – that did that keep her from having the girl experience that somebody grows up with, you know, when it's even, yeah, yeah. right? You know, one boy, one girl, or all girls. You know, my, my, my wife grew up in a family with, you know, she has three siblings, but there's three girls and a boy. Um, you know, but um, she's she's handled it great. Um, but you know, from I was nervous. I was really scared. The, the boy thing because I only have one brother growing up. Uh, the boy thing, you know, I, I was good with. I was nervous about the girl thing. But as I said earlier, Cammy was you know born to be a mother, and uh, we've we've gotten we've gotten through twenty yeah. years. So I think we did all right. You mentioned having to ask Cammy how with kids did and stuff when you came in from a game. Games at six thirty, you're home ten, whatever it is. What's sort of your wind down? Are you a pretty quick to bed? Are you kind of processing and taking a little while to wind down? What's the no? I, I, I usually can get to bed, uh, and yeah, I'm not the guy that's staying up watching film all night. I'm usually a morning guy, so you know, after on night games, usually on a Tuesday night, um, you know, I'll grab one of the post game meals here to go. Uh, I'll go home and uh, usually eat that, maybe a glass of wine, and um, usually I, she laughs. She, she, her joke is if I get horizontal, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping. And so, um, yeah, I, I usually don't have you know much trouble getting to bed. Red or white? Or wine? Red. Usually the same bottles for the most part. No, I good? usually buy a variety, but I'm not a wine snob. You know, I, uh, um, you know, I'm not going to drink wine out of a box, but I, you know, I don't need a, you know, an expensive bottle of wine. It's usually a cab, sometimes a Pinot, but usually a cab, and and really, it's usually somewhere in that seventeen to twenty-two dollar range. Just. Decisions, games stick with you into the night, or I mean, how, how, do, do you let things go pretty well? Do you feel like has that gotten better over time? I mean, because I we all make decisions in our job, yeah. but obviously yours are a lot more public, and you got idiots like me asking you about it five minutes after the game's over. It, it's a different thing. So, yeah. how do you process that mentally? Not, not, not usually decisions, okay. you know. Um, uh, and I don't want to say never. I'm sure, sure there's been times where you know you regret things, and we all regret things, you know, that we've done or decisions that we made. But I understand that I make so many decisions during the day that I'm not always going to be right. Um, and 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 some of them, depending on how you want to look at it. And this is not going down that road, fan, reporter, sure. you know, coach. But but at the end of the day. You know, a lot of times that people that critique your decisions, regardless of who they are, don't have all the information. Yeah. And, and this is, and so I understand that, you know, and what I've learned is to worry about that. Uh, I know that's part of the job and it's part of sports, right? And it's part, you know, fans being fin fat fanatics, right? They're, they're, and thank God for them. That's why we have what we have. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, but at the end of the day, I don't live in that world, you know, and, and so it's easy for me to, to be able to, I think, self-evaluate, to be able to come back. And that's why it doesn't bother me usually, uh, you know, make a mistake, try to fix it the next day and, you know, or the next game or the next practice. Um, I, I, I think I'm more... Uh, I, I worry more about the future, mm -hmm. I, I think, than worry about the past, you know, and, and again, trying uh, to be as present as possible and still worried about, you know, the next game and, and, and so on. I, I don't, the past, um, I think I usually can get over the past pretty, pretty well. How often do we ask things where we don't really even understand what we're asking or talking about? Because, yeah, I mean, there's like pitching stuff, like, I don't, like, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. extra stuff to it where it's like. Yeah. Um, probably a lot more than you and the fans probably realize. Yeah. But it's but again, this is not being super critical. Yeah. I mean, this is the mad coach. You know, <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I don't like going to football games. Yeah. Because I don't like sitting into the stands and listening to somebody yell and be, you know, with veins popping out of their nut neck and they they don't they don't know. I get that they feel that they have the right and they, and they do. Right? They they don't you don't get to jail, you go to jail for that, but they have no idea what what they're 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 even upset about. Yeah. And and you know, I that that can be frustrating, but I you know, I, I try not to let that bother me. And it doesn't make it where you're always right. It's just there's more to it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it, it's what I, you know, people will watch the videos or the press conferences and they'll go, wow, you know, Mike or Beard or AK or whoever. They were really frustrated. I said, okay, you go to your job every day. Really defend you guys. And I go, you make a mistake. Somebody's not coming in in five minutes later and going, hey, why'd you do that? Tell me about it. Run mm-hmm. through it. I, I don't need all the information, but just tell me on camera why that's going poorly. Yeah. I went, there's not another profession in the world where it's coming off one of the biggest successes or failures of your life and somebody's immediately right. asking you those kind of questions. It's a it's, it's a weird dynamic. So it's a lot of times when somebody gets frustrated, I'm like, yeah, they ought to get frustrated at the media. We we do dumb stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's and it took me a while to get old enough to realize, hey, nothing's personal. Like you're just having a day and whatever and and you're one of the better ones about if we get into something the next day, hey, that's probably a little whatever, sorry, heat of the moment, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. A lot of coaches don't get there and not that we even deserve it but it's a different well, dynamic and, too. And, and i think you also have to realize that that you have a job yeah. you know and and part of your job is to answer ask the questions for the fans right, right? uh and i think that's what you know maybe from from our as a coach i won't speak for all coaches but that's you know if there's something that comes up in the game and i really think that if you want to call it a dumb question or you don't have the information um but but I guess, and 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 you know, to speak for you, yeah, give us the information. We we want to know why sure. you made that decision. Uh, sometimes the tough thing is is trying for 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 as a coach. I know that I struggle with is sometimes you don't have the right to know everything, nor do the fans. So you you might not know what's going on with that that player, whatever that is. And I don't know if I have the right to tell you. Sure. That his parents just got divorced or his sure. grandfather just died right. or to put that excuse, you know, and let that get thrown out into the world, into the world wide web. And for people to go, well, but maybe you shouldn't have played him, right? You know, like, yeah. you know, like how far are we going to go down this rabbit hole mm-hmm. or, you know what? He screwed up. He was a regular kid and I didn't play him that day because he screwed up. Now, again, some people may say, Hey, I need to know that as a fan. I don't know if, the fans need to know everything, you know, I get that they pay tickets and they need to know a lot, but sometimes I think I struggle with that, you know, and, and sometimes what's in the locker room or what's in the dugout. And because this, what you do, what I do has changed so much over the years, right. That you know a lot more than the reporter in 1995. Sure. And so it's a lot harder to keep the locker room, the locker room, the coach's office, the coach's office. And you've done that. You've called here and said, hey, yeah. listen, hey, kind of hearing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and again, everybody wants transparency. We're not trying, we're not doing the espionage here. We're not trying to hide too much. But sometimes these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. And I don't know if... You need to know that, mm-hmm. and so sometimes there's that, and that that can be frustrating as well. Yeah, I don't no, know if that made sense. Oh no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and just social media. Yeah. I mean, players put stuff out. You got. I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's totally different. Even when I started, yeah. I guess 2005, 2006, whatever, whatever year it was, and you mentioned so much has changed. I'll get back to that in a second. But were you 33 when you were hired here? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Had I said you're still here in 2023, what would you have thought in 2000? Never believed you. I thought you'd cra- you're crazy. Yeah, I, but but I think in this profession, especially at that age, but in this profession, wasn't like, hey, well, were you going as a stepping stone? You you don't look you don't look ten years down the line. You don't. It's not like uh, like 
Ben Bianco's selling State Farm insurance, you know, like, yeah, he, he hopes to be in that profession in 20 years. And, you know, that's a goal. Coaches, I don't think, look like that. You know, like you're not thinking, you know, you're hoping you're still coaching. But, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen in 20 years. I don't know what's going to happen at Ole Miss. I don't know what's going to happen in Southeastern Conference. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. And I think that's fair for everybody. You know, not that I want to leave the next yeah, year. Sure. Uh, you're, you're hoping that they'll want you. You know, yeah, well, yeah. they won't want me here in 20 years. So, uh, yeah, I would have probably thought you're crazy. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. Give it a try because, look, my diet's not perfect. Not always getting all the vitamins, nutrients, minerals that I need every day. And AG1 can help in that. Makes me feel better like I'm doing something great for my body as well. Because it empowers the gut for whole body health. It's much more than just a greens power powder. It's all of your key health products in one Covering my nutritional basis for my day literally couldn't be any easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, drink it first thing in the morning, done. Right there, I break my uh, kind of my fast overnight with AG1. It's a great routine and gets me on with my day. I also like that it costs less than three hours a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's an effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. It's a win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Give Athletic Greens, they're giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What did you know? I mean, I mean, we, we, we've had discussion in a lot of different ways, but whoever hires you and you get here and whatnot. I mean, did the Oxford community side of it though? Did you have any idea? I mean, did you know no. where you were coming to live or a town or, frankly, even from on the map to some extent? I would have said. No, my wife did more so than I did. You know, uh, I knew. You know, it was a small college town, yeah. but didn't know much about it. And the square, I probably didn't even ever heard of the square. I know that hurts people's feelings, uh, yeah. but, but you know, uh, from a guy that played in the SEC and coached in the SEC for a few years, but as a young coach, you know, coaching his 20s when I was coming here, you're just coming here to play. I mean, we were staying at the Ramada Inn, you know, that's the Super 8, I yeah. guess, now. We stayed there. We stayed at the Holiday Inn, which is the, you know, the graduate now. Uh you know, and, and you just come here, you play, you eat your pizza after a game, and you wake up the next morning, you play again, and after a couple of days, you drive back to uh, to to you know Baton Rouge or wherever you, wherever you come from, where you came from. I, I didn't know. I, I came here because it was one of the twelve jobs in the world that I wanted. You know, I wanted to coach in the Southeastern Conference, and uh, you know, the truth is, uh, and I can say this now, I couldn't say it then. The truth is, I was a little worried. You know, because they had never won here. Sure. 
You know, they had only been to postseason twice in 25 years. And as much as I wanted to coach in the Southeastern Conference, I also knew that baseball coaches didn't recycle like football coaches and basketball coaches. If you go somewhere and don't win and get fired, you don't coach anymore. Mm-hmm. You're in another profession. Mm-hmm. And if you're in still athletics, you're a scout, you know, or you're an agent, but you're not a baseball coach. That that rarely happened. And um, and so it, it scared me because I knew I wanted to coach in the SEC, but I also knew that it was um, – the number one baseball conference in the country and it was relentless and in everything. And what I did know about the SEC is if you weren't committed, you lost, you know, and that was kind of the rumor was Ole Miss wasn't committed. Yeah, they had this nice little quaint stadium, but they only built that because Mississippi State built one in 1985. Yeah. So they built this in 1989. And when you looked around, you were like, wow, they, they, they have some good players and Delushi, the David Delushi and the, uh, but, but, but there was, why didn't they win? Mm-hmm. You know, like they just never won. And so I was a little nervous. Uh, but the truth is Schaefer convinced me. He, he told, told me within the first five minutes, he says, I think baseball's our best shot of winning a national championship. And of course, you know, coming from a place that won a lot of championships and that's all they talked about, that, that meant a lot to me. Did you ask Skip about the job? Um, uh, a little bit interviewing because the story was it was really between me and Turtle Thomas, and Turtle was his current assistant. I was his former assistant, a head coach at McNeese State. And so we talked about the job. Um, and, and, and it, but then <laughs> once I got the job, I said, okay, tell me about the team. He goes, ooh, you guys aren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you're going to have to get some players. Um, but uh, but he was certainly very proud. How fast did you realize that, yeah, they can be committed, that things can move? Because, I mean, or, or even even five years in, I mean, how difficult was the thing in 06 when, you know, that job became a possibility LSU or any of that? I mean, did you – I guess by then you knew, hey, this is, you know, a, 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 a long-term potential thing, right? Yeah, I'm <sighs> – once I got here, I think in the first year, and this is not throwing stones at you know the administration immediately, but it takes a while for things to get going and for people to trust you. you know, I laugh now that you know they you know we would want things done the season about this time of the year back in two thousand, my first year two thousand one, so December two thousand. We're asking about when are we going to do this for a stadium, and they were like, nobody's going to come until after basketball. I was like, what? And they're like, people don't really come to the baseball games until after basketball. They didn't open up left field. Like, you know, uh, they only opened it up on the weekends. I was like, well, you got to open it up on Tuesdays. So when we play, you know, midweek game, uh, they wanted to sell uh, an SEC only package. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, now you're just giving people a reason to not come, right. you know, in the three non-conference weekends. And so there was a kind of an education. And, and again, this is, sounds pompous, but but I had learned from somebody. I had learned sure. from somebody that had just gone through all of that, uh, you know, in Baton Rouge, you know, you know, 15 years ago, and that you had to teach the people. And and so we tried to teach them. And then we get to, you know, started to have some success and started to, to, to roll a little bit and hosting regionals. And, uh, but you know when 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 we lost in a super regional in 06 um, and and that job opened up I, I knew I couldn't leave at that time you know um, it, it we were just too invested here you know and I, I could have never forgiven myself you know to 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 be that close here um, and get get it going and and leave before before you felt like you you could finish it. Do you ever wonder, is it still doable? Or when you get to that point, you know it is. I mean, you had so many close calls. Oh, and 100%. I mean, yeah, you knew, hey, we're, it's oh, just not working. We were point. as good as anybody in the country. Yeah, we just haven't won. Yeah. You know, we uh, people get that. And when you look back and people go, ah, oh, you had all those, you know, close you know, calls or failures, whatever you want to call them, the super regionals. Um, you know, I, I get it and I understand uh, but I also understand it is baseball and a lot of it wasn't because we weren't good enough it wasn't because hey we called the wrong pitch 
you know, or pitched the wrong guy or pinched hit or didn't bunt or should have bunted or whatever. Uh, those are the people that don't really understand the game. To be that good to host and do all of that and, and lose in game three or whatever in a super regional, just not a lot of good fortune. You know, but we've been in, you know, can you imagine, you know, being in that many sweet 16s in basketball and, and mm-hmm. everything else. And so, yes, it's frustrating to, to not, you know, get to Omaha more. But, man, if you're there, um, yeah, you just, you're just you a base hit away. You're, you're a pitch away from, from going. And as we know, if you go, uh, you, you got a shot of winning it all. In the aftermath, was there one that was tougher to get over than the other ones? Five, nine, 18? Um, I know. I, I don't. I don't know. They 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 all stung. You know. I think the first one stung because it was your first one, and you know you you were so so good in '05 uh, to win game one, and the other two games were really close. Uh, but they all have their story. '06. You know, we won the first one. Uh, and we had the lead in the in the in, in game three late and 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 couldn't hold on. Oh nine was probably my guess is we were the the closest. Uh, another one where we won game one, uh, but um, you know we we were so close in game two sure. and you know let it slip away. Um, but um, you know uh, again we thought uh, I think in nineteen and twenty one. You know, both of those, we, we thought, you know, when, when you're there, you, you don't get there by luck. Mm-hmm. You know, you get there, it's a long season, and to get through, um, you know, and to be in, you know, that position. And so I think when you get there, you always assume that you're going to win, or you always, you know, think that you're going to win, which you should, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, when, it, when it doesn't, it, 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 it stings pretty badly. You and I did one of these a few years ago, and you talked about, Coaching a little differently, this generation a little more positive than maybe when you when you first came in with McNeese and Ole Miss, but just in general, how has coaching changed? Even from it seems like you really run almost a small business now more than just even coach a team. I mean, in two thousand, I don't think you're bringing Brian Kane in necessarily to no. mental and some of those things. I mean, it's it's just become so much bigger. It feels like it is, and and that's a really broad question. I mean, from yeah. the way you run the program to the way you coach and coach an individual, I mean, it depends on which, yeah, sure. you know, which, you know, uh, which avenue you want to, you know, talk about, but yeah, running the program and what happens, I, I feel busier now, um, than, than I ever have, um, in year, whatever it is, 24. And, uh, and we have so many more people, working in the office and so many people, so many more people touching the program and so many more people in the administration that are really good at what they do from, you know, marketing and ticketing and, um, uh, just game and, uh, management and administration and those types of people where we were so much more hands-on, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure they think we're hands-on now, yeah. but back in 2001 or 2000, you know, we're, we're in 2004, we're trying to explain how to host a regional and this is what you need to do and this is what we need to send the teams to now where those people, our administration, they've done it so many times. It's uh, so, uh, but everybody's better. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, when you look 24 years later and you look at the SEC, how much our conference has grown and how much better other administrations are and, and what their facilities look like and what technology has done to baseball in general. And, and, uh, and I think that's not just in sports, but I think, you know, you were talking, you know, how you started 24 years ago and, you know, uh, how this all started and what you do now. Um, Things change, yeah. and I and I and I, it's easy when you get older. You're you're getting to become right. an old yeah, guy yeah. now, right? I get there in a moment. And, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody wants to talk. You know, you you want to tell how 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 hard your road is, and how how much you got to walk uphill <laughs> in the snow, you know, four miles, you know, uh, uphill both ways. I think that's part of getting older, right? Yeah. And but what you better be able to do it's if you stay in your business or you stay in my business or whatever that business mm-hmm. is, you better be able to adapt to the transfer portal and nil and and tech technology and analytics and all the other things uh, just like any other business. 
yeah, we'll have a deal where I'll have a Daily Mississippi reporter walk up to me in the press box and go, hey, so in 2009, when did this happen? And I'll look at, like, Jeff Robertson, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm you when I started now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that kid was five when he's asking the question. I yeah. go, yeah, here's a guy named Matt Smith, and you run through yeah. the thing, and you're like, okay, that's, that's how it's yeah. that, that's how it's changed, and that's the that's the difference in, uh, in, in all those ways. No, I, I definitely get that. You, you mentioned it, turned 40 Saturday. You stayed fit, stayed active. Like you said, you guy that has, 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 has adapted. What's the advice for somebody going into their 40s? How is that? How is that different as you kind of move through? Well, you know, I, I think you got a, a couple things, and this is you know now you're now it's a philosophical yeah, question, right? right? Uh, I think for anybody, I think you you have to be comfortable in your own skin. You you you, you there's you you got to have a, a system, if you will. You have to have a, a way of doing it. But the beauty of our system and the, what, what how I run the program similar to I think coach Burtman and what I learned from him is that just because there's a basis or foundation of who you are and what you are and what the program is or who Chase Parm is and how you how you run your life or your family and everything else but you better be able to adapt you better be able to adjust and, and when things come up you have to make a decision and sometimes those decisions are wrong right sure. sometimes you you can press press the brakes and go in a different direction sure. because you say hey I thought it was going to be better for my family to do this but it wasn't I thought it was going to be better for my program to do this but it wasn't uh, but but you have to make the decision as things change you, you can't just say hey that's just not for me all the time and sometimes you can mm-hmm. But if you do that for everything, then you just get left behind. Your business gets left behind. I think your family gets left behind. Life gets left behind. And life's about changing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I grew up, there wasn't cable television, right? Like, there wasn't a cell phone. You know, not everybody had a computer. And if you just get caught into, hey, that's not for me, mm-hmm. can you live without cable television? Can you live without a microwave? Can you sure. live without a cell phone? We all adapt and adjust and change. Uh, and you have to make a decision personally of what changes do you want to make you know what what changes are going to be better for you and your life your family and your business are you a reader you read yes. Yes. self-help like um i mean are you actually trying to get lost in stories what are we doing um uh, rarely uh do i choose fiction but when you start asking me my favorite books i'm going to end up giving you like four fiction okay. books. Uh, but mostly all nonfiction. Uh, I, I, I started really reading coaches' biographies, all coaches. Oh. You know, um, and there's a lot more coaches' biographies on basketball coaches and football coaches. Um, but now um, I read about a, a book a week. And so, but I get a little slower in the springtime. So I read about 35 to 40 books a, a year. Um and um, the self-help, self-improvement books, I love and I'll, I'll read. But when you read that much, and so I used to flip-flop. You know, so I'm going to read like a biography and then I'm going to read self-improvement book. Um, there's not as many good self-improvement books. Sure. And a lot of the messages are the same, just different mm-hmm. words. And, and so when you start to do that, to me, then it just becomes a waste of time. And so I probably will read one out of every four now. So maybe one a month, you know, self-improvement book. And I try to, you know, those are the ones that I read with a highlighter. You know, and try to use those, um, you know, good messages and good things, you know, for, for what I do. You know, the, uh, the, the biographies, some, some, sometimes there's stories and stuff I can use in my job. That's what I love. Most yeah. of them are uh, just for enjoyment. It is just enjoyment. Not just yeah. like trying to get something out no doubt. of it. No, yeah, you can't read that much, you know, and it, you know, <laughs> not, not be enjoyed. That's the problem with self-help thing is I'll get into things where I'll go through them, and then I stop and I go, hey, I'm hearing some good ideas, but I'm not implementing anything. It's just going in one ear and out the other, and I'm just almost yeah. just mental paralysis in a way. Yeah, right. and, 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 and that's why I've cut down is because – they're, if you're not going to use them, then then to me they're not as enjoyable. Especially mm-hmm. when, you know, if you've been reading for years and you're reading a book a week, I mean, like then it's just you're like you're just starting to get you know lost in it, you know. And so I, you know, a lot of highlight and a lot of dog earing, but uh, um, and it's good to great sitting up there, okay. and a couple books are sitting, you know, that I'll try to refer to during the year. Do you set up certain time of the day, or is it just when you have time? 
Uh, no, I think if you're going to read, uh, especially if you're working and you're busy, you have to have your reading time. Okay. And, uh, and that's why I think I didn't start really reading uh, until um, uh, probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and really, uh, my wife would say ferocious reader, you know, maybe the last... Um, you know, five to five to ten years, and and more of that uh, is trying to find your time. Uh, my wife likes; she'll read it anytime, and she can. I need silence mm-hmm. uh, uh, to really get in. I'm, you know, I'm because I don't. I'm not a good reader. You know, so I really need it to be quiet and and not have a lot of distractions going on. So I read in the morning. So, what, what caused you to put an emphasis on that? Because uh, I like it. Okay, you know, and I and. Uh, Probably more specific, and now we're going to be really candid, is how did I start reading years ago, probably 20-plus years ago, probably about the time I got here when I became a head coach, is so I started realizing that uh, most smart people read. You know, you're, if you're somewhere and people will say, hey, did you read such and such? They start talking about books. I'm like, you know, they don't always want to be the guy that, oh, man, I don't ever read or I haven't read a book since college or mm-hmm. whatever. I was the guy that never read, never read when I was in school. You know, like I, I try to get get out of reading. It was like, you know, such an obstacle. Uh, and then started reading some biographies and you start reading about Lou Holtz or whoever, you know, Mike Krzyzewski or John Wooden. And you start to go, man, that's kind of cool. And uh, and then all of a sudden you kind of find your niche. But then you have to find your time if you're like me. And so normally I read from six to seven every morning. Oh, do you really? So, you know, wake up. First thing I do is go start, start the pot of coffee and uh, go in the library and, and I read. Now, my wife can read at night. Okay. I, I don't like to read at night. I will sometimes because she is, but I'm the typical, I get horizontal, I read about three pages and I pass out. So, you know, uh, but it's amazing. I can read in the morning and uh, and really enjoy it. And then when we go on vacation, especially okay. the beach, we go to the beach a lot and we'll, that's all we do. We just sit on the beach and just read. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a good week to go to the beach you know, for four or five days and you know, read a couple books. Drip coffee and espresso, Keurig, what are you doing? Uh, just regular coffee, regular okay. black coffee. Um, uh, we have a Keurig, uh, but to be environmentally uh, uh, <laughs> appreciative, uh, we, we'll do the regular drip coffee in the morning because we drink so much coffee. Yeah. Uh, we It's a double, um, you know, like a, it's a Keurig machine, but it'll make the the regular the, the yeah, pot, yeah, yeah. and then we have the combo Keurig. So you know, I usually I'll have a cup when I get home at nighttime, you know, before supper, after supper. Caffeinated? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother you. Caffeine doesn't mess your no. sleep up at all. No. What time do you try to get in bed by? Ten. Um, it's tough during the season. The off season, pretty good at. You know, and, and then she laughs at me, you know, and I laugh. I say, you know, if you if you try to get eight hours of sleep and you wake up <laughs> at six to read, you got to go to bed at 10 to go to bed at 10. You have to start preparing to go to bed, you know, nine thirty, nine forty five. You got to go back and put your pajamas on, brush your teeth, floss your teeth. You got to do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like, you know, it's nine thirty. My daughter and her, my wife will make fun of me. All grandpa's getting ready for bed. It's nine thirty. No. But I mean, trying to get sleeping by 10 o'clock so I can get eight hours of sleep. I, I'm a genetic early riser. My dad was like that and I am too. If I don't, I mean, I, I won't get any sleep at all. I'm up 4.30, 4.15. Yeah. Like, and there's nothing I can do. I haven't slept till six in 10 years. Yeah. It just isn't a thing. So yeah, you're, yeah. and I've had to cut caffeine down like that. I've had to switch to the pods of some kind because I'm, I have no willpower. I can't make half a pot of coffee. I'll make the full pot and I'll drink the full yeah. pot. It'll mess me up as the as the day goes on for whatever reason. Well, as you get older, it becomes more going to the bathroom. It, sure. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why I have to have it. At, like I would yeah. drink it at nine nine ten o'clock. It won't keep me from going to sleep. It'll just yeah, make yeah. me wake up more to get, use the restroom. Uh, but uh, when I was younger, and it, it's probably maybe the last you know five to ten years when I first got here, I it was you know it's the male macho thing. I didn't think I needed sleep, and mm-hmm. it was better to you know I would just work work and you know you go to bed when you go to bed and wake up early and and do that now I realize and you know, just uh, you know uh, there's nights that you don't get sleep you know you go to bed late because of game, you know whatever it is travel you know travel recruit whatever that is. Uh, you do that a few nights in a row, um, you're just not as good. You know, you start going on four, five, six hours mm-hmm. of sleep. At least I'm not. I can, I can, I can do it for a night or two, 
two or three nights of, you know, four, five, six hours of sleep. Um, you know, this past spring, it was, uh, was tough. You know, wasn't a, lot, wasn't a lot of sleeping going on. In the middle of it, you're just because you're rolling. Yeah, can't let it just go. you wake up and yeah. uh, you can't go back to sleep because your brain just keeps going. But you might as well get up at four. No podcasts, no audio books, nothing like that. Headphones, that no, kind of thing. I uh, yeah, I don't do anything like that. I don't listen to podcasts. Sorry, uh, a lot of people do, and I, and I think that's great. I mean, you got to get your information somewhere. Um, I. Um, uh, when I go exercise, I don't exercise with a headset or anything. And if I used to, but it was really kind of like just background noise. So I wouldn't, yeah. if I was jogging, I wouldn't hear myself breathe, but I don't, uh, I'd rather read than, than, than listen. Jog a decent amount. Is it meditation? Are you able to clear yeah, thoughts and plan and yeah. do that kind of thing? I, I, when, uh, and I stopped because of my neck. I had neck surgery about five years ago. So I walk and I, I, I try to exercise, you know, some, at least five times a week. Okay. You know, some of it's you know three days, two or three days of lifting, and then usually two or three days of some type of cardio. Um, but um, um, I uh, that's really my time. Like where uh, I think you know I, I do a lot of thinking, but but uh, I, I think it's more just kind of a peaceful you know hour that I don't have to deal with everything else. Yeah. Last thing, I feel like we, well, with media in general, but, you know, we, we connect you to Skip so much that we don't talk about your dad enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he was a, had the moment when Delaware was here and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But what's it been like? You said he's been here a decade now. Every day, but I'm going to watch you do this thing that you do in, well, in your career. It's so cool. You know, he, you know, and you're right. I, I get asked, and there's no doubt, I, I, I am not here if it wasn't for Skip Bertman and my time as a player and as a coach at, at LSU. Um, but, but my first coach was my dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was my coach. And, uh, when I started, uh, that, what we call it B little league, B league. Uh, but you know, when I was eight years old and, and coached me till I was 12, um, and, uh, and was always there was, he was, my dad, you know, should have been a college coach, played college football and, and baseball. And, you know, like a lot of people of his generation, once his sports was done, he never finished school and just, mm-hmm. you know, went to work, got married. And, uh, and they had children, and uh, but he should have. He, he uh, and I don't know if a lot of people think of the, their parents like this. He would have been Bobby Bowden. He would have been, you know, one of those great. You know, he would have been a football coach. I'm sure because okay. he was a great football player. Uh, but he loved baseball. And then when we moved to Florida, uh, baseball was so prominent and then when you look at my body I'm not gonna be a great football player uh, baseball was my only shot but he was he was you know the the, the 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 epitome of a coach what I mean by that is he could coach anything because he understood how to get kids and people to do things you know and, and how to motivate them how to look and how that didn't look right and how um how how can you get them to to do it you know the correct way it doesn't matter if it was basketball or football or baseball and so uh yeah i learned so much of that that the coaching part of it. I learned how you know um coaching sometimes is critiquing you know and you have to be able to handle the coaching um and unfortunately sometimes some kids don't learn that some mm-hmm. people don't learn that you know where you know somebody they're, they're trying to help you but to help you they have to criticize you and you know you know say what you're doing is not right mm-hmm. some people can't handle that you know uh, i learned that you know one as a coach you have to be able to do that in a right way in a proper sure. way uh but as a player you have to be able to accept the coaching. You have to be able to want somebody to to help. Everybody wants to be good, but you know, are you willing to you know step into that arena and be critiqued? And um, he was so so good at it, and he was great all through his life. I mean, he was great. He came here and coached my kids. You mm-hmm. know, and traveled baseball ten years ago. That's how he got him back. You know, really fifteen years ago, and he won then. So he won. <laughs> he won. He won back in the seventies, and he won yeah. back in you know two thousand and ten or whatever that was you know he dominated mississippi uh, travel baseball did you uh did you dissect game stuff with him when you call i mean how much are you guys talking during I, season I, 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 used to, I used to get frustrated when i was first got here because he would watch it on uh uh 
Rebel Vision. Rebel Vision. Yeah. And, uh, and it, you know, it's kind of like you, know, you asking me a question that gets frustrating after the game. Uh-huh. You know, he's watching it, you know, from a thousand miles away, going, hey, like, why'd you do that? <laughs> I'm like, you weren't even, you know, how come you don't play so-and-so more? I yeah. think he's a good player. I'm like, yeah, because you saw him get three hits today. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, he's really not that good, you know. Um, but, uh but he's good, and uh, and he does. He does give good advice, even even now at eighty years old. You know, he'll he'll make a comment. Hey, listen, I know you're going to get mad at me for saying this, but you know, and he'll make a comment, and uh, but he sees it through the you know, through a lens of a coach, you know, not a fan. You know, uh, he wants us to win, uh, but that's where people don't get it. Like my wife and my kids, they don't look at it through that. You know, my dad, he doesn't look at it through the the lens of a fan. They look at it, you know, through a different lens, and he looks at it through the lens of a coach. And so it can be helpful. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.